Well, honey, it's a new year. Mm. Time for some new thoughts, new outlook, new prayers, new dreams. Yeah. Yeah. It's so strange to me to think that it's already 2024. (laughs) It seems like 2023 took forever, yet it flew by at the same time. Things can complicate that by speeding up time and slowing it down. Sudden tragedies, Mm -hmm. big changes in life, bigger things in the world that seem to overwhelm us. We've had plenty of those kind of stories in the past three or four years. The pandemics and unease, politically, wars in the world. And yet, this has always been the case since the beginning of time. I mean, we've read through Ecclesiastes as one of our studies just a few years ago, thinking, what kind of season are we heading into now? We asked that question back four or five years ago. We had no clue what we'd be walking into. And yet, it's obvious from the beginning of the Word of God that God knows and He knows how people are. They know how they respond to things that are overwhelming in their lives. And how hope comes alive in powerful ways. And God gives us a kind of hope that really transcends circumstances, no matter how difficult they've been. So we're going to address both the difficulties of leaving the past behind and the opportunities of seeing a new future on today's program. I'm glad you said the word hope, because that's one of our favorite words throughout the Advent season, or it's one of mine. Yeah. I always want to look at the season of Advent, especially with a hopefulness. And then it leads us right into the new year. And I want to carry that forward. I want to carry that sense of hope and wonder and maybe surprise even. I think it's appropriate because this is still the season of Christmas. By the time the sixth day of Christmas arrives, we're into the new year. Instead of it seeming like the year comes with a screeching halt and then we launch into another one, (laughs) we have this kind of soft landing. Jesus himself, his story carries us over these transitions from one to the next. Mm. We're alive and living in that time of transition between this and that. Christmas, the birth of Jesus, was strategically placed at the end of the year. I know that's probably not historically correct for when he was actually born, but just the way we celebrate it. It does tend to give us that sense of newness, even though it's at the year's end. We can look back at the year, which is what we're going to talk about a bit today. Look back at the year and remember, put touch points in places that were significant and places that maybe we don't want to remember, but yet Mm -hmm. need to understand what the teaching of God was in our lives through that situation. But then launching forward into a new dynamic in what could happen in the possibilities of things to come. And that's exactly what is happening in the scripture that we're going to share today. It's a possibility. It's a looking back, reviewing situations. Facing the music, too. Facing the music, and then looking forward to, this is a more hopeful situation. And the anchor scripture for today is something that we have truly, I think, misread for hundreds of years. And not because the scripture itself is so difficult to understand, because it's a story. It's not just one bumper sticker theme pulled out of the Bible at random. And yet we seem to have done that with this particular verse and don't understand why it's so significant since the beginning of the Bible. That scripture, by the way, is Genesis 31, 49. Mm. I'd like you to read that one first. Genesis 31, 49. And also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord keep watch between me and you when we will no longer see each other. That, what they call the Mizpah, which is a Hebrew word, has to do with a demarcation, a stopping point, and a beginning point. 
And it's been used for hundreds of years as kind of a God keep us close together when we're apart. Mm -hmm. And there's this jewelry tradition mm -hmm. where you would break a heart in jagged halves where you're not really complete until you're back together again. Mm -hmm. And then when you come back together, if you're still wearing that jewelry, you would link that heart up, remind each other that we finally come back together again. Mm -hmm. Beautiful notion. Yeah. Unfortunately, it has nothing to do with the scripture, but it is a tradition. And the idea of renewing relationships or restoring something that is broken, those are all in their own context, perfectly legitimate. So what would a Mizpah have to do with the beginnings or a new year? Well, let's get into it. Well, Mizpah is a Hebrew word that means watchtower, right. and it's loosely translated or interpreted as may God watch over you. Now, if you want to really get into the weeds with this, you know that <laughs> <I hope> so. <laughs> that <laughs> this is not necessarily a release blessing. This mm. is not a, a real blessing that Laban is speaking over Jacob. He right. does not trust Jacob. Yeah. And Jacob does not trust Laban. They've had a dispute. If you read before this in the book of Genesis, you see that there has been a misunderstanding, a conflict between them. Laban has deceived Jacob. We also know that Jacob's name means deceiver. Yes. So there's a lot of mistrust and deception happening here. Yeah. And at this point, there doesn't seem to be a resolution for it. And a resolution is a good word because we're not going to talk about there being a blessing in this. Mm -hmm. However, it is a very positive move. And that's something I think it's important to understand too. This verse signifies something that was done that rectified an impasse that made it possible for two people who were not getting along to be able to go on with their lives. The key thing that happened at that moment was they actually committed to a covenant. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting to me. Covenant, we usually think about in terms of marriages or selling a piece of land, things like that, where there's something of great value that's being exchanged. We want to make sure that everyone is a witness to this thing and under the authority of some moral weight we would commit ourselves to honor the terms of this covenant. Mm -hmm. And God himself says, on my own name, my covenant with my people Israel. And we hear that kind of verse a number of times throughout the Bible. It means appealing to real authority, people who have moral authority. Mm -hmm. Jacob and Laban, they're onto each other. They both know that they are shysters, mm -hmm. that they try to pull one over on each other, and they get it. They're both the same kind of people. In some ways, they probably don't want it to remain that way, but they don't trust what the other's going to do with the thing that they value. Mm -hmm. For Laban is his daughters. Mm -hmm. Jacob has been tricked into having to marry both of them, and he's resented that. And he tricked Laban by disguising all of his flocks, so he took the best of the sheep and the goats and managed to build his wealth at the expense of Laban by tricking him. They both know that they have done things to each other which are contemptible. This is not a good situation. And yet they stand at this corner of this property and say, okay, from this point forward, Jacob to this side, Laban to this side, and we're going to build a big pile of rocks. So big that no one's going to want to bother moving them because it's such an eyesore. And they took a lot of labor and a lot of people to build this pile of rocks. And they stuck a big tall rock in the middle of it as a tower and say, at this spot, we covenanted with God that we are going to resolve our differences. We're going to start off new. And Laban at the end of this says, I'm giving you my daughter's. May God watch over them so that you don't harm them. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Jacob is, in a way, kind of blessing Laban by saying, I will not attack you anymore. What a weird covenant. Yeah, yeah. And yet it is the start of something truly important that led to the entire history of Israel going the way it did and following God's plan for redemption. These kinds of decisions and covenants mean something. Yeah. Are we in a world right now, do you think, honey, where mm -hmm. those kind of covenants might be kind of helpful? 
Well, absolutely. I don't know that there are willing parties like these men were. There are some. All over the world, you and I both met people that we consider men and women of peace. Mm -hmm. People who bring peace to situations. People who live with the attitude of peace, welcome. These two men did not have that. They were not peacemakers. They were... Homebreakers. Homebreakers and, and deceivers. But they call on a higher power. Both of them are saying, as God is my witness, he's going to be the one to mitigate this circumstance. He's going to be the one to take care of things when I can't see you. He can see you. So they're kind of pitting God one against the other, saying, you know, if God's going to watch over you and make sure that you don't do the things I don't want you to do, and yet God's going to watch over the other guy and make sure he doesn't do those things as well. They're both willing to submit to a referee. Yes. Comes down yeah. to the image I get, this tower that's mounted between their properties, we're talking vast tracts of land throughout most of the Jordan River Valley. It's a huge area for one person to own. The tower itself is big, and this is God's eye on you. This is like the eye of Sauron from, <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Literally, both of them are saying, may God watch you or watch out for you. Mm-hmm. Not to watch over you like I'm trying to care for you, but I know what your capabilities are. Mm-hmm. And they're not always great. Yeah. So may God see this. May he be your conscience. May he watch over you so that no one else, including me, gets hurt. Okay, so we've talked a lot about this impasse that they're on, this covenant that they're making against frenemies, we'd yeah. like to say. What does that mean for us, honey, as we walk into a new year? What does that look like for us? How can we practically set this up in our own lives to be a positive thing? Well, I don't think it's a bad thing at all to look at a year and assess the things that were good and bad. Again, this is about perspective. It's not so much about are they objectively good or bad, and therefore we know exactly what's right and wrong. We were right and they were wrong. I think it's coming down to saying, from my perspective, where do I feel like I lost or I was hurt or I was offended or where I fell down on the job and I know it? Where are the things in my life where I look at them and say, man, if I could have done it differently, I really would have. Mm -hmm. If we did not have to go through that experience, we would not have gone through that experience. And yet we have. Versus what else happened in their life this year that was truly surprisingly good Mm -hmm. from our own perspective. We don't want to lose that memory. Mm -hmm. There are things that are objectively true. Living life in the gray, things can be confusing at times, but we have to find a way through this. And I think God's perspective, God's view, what was good and bad in our lives is really important. Mm -hmm. And we appeal to him, let him in on the conversations. I don't know how to sort this out or how to start fresh and new. Well, I don't even know if the things that I went through really are bad or good. Help me. Give me discernment to know what was good about these things from your perspective so I can see things the way you do. I think that's really important, the perspective of God, asking God, what do you want me to know about my situation, about this past year, about the things that are good or bad in my life, and having an outside view of those things. And that's really hard to do when you're in the thick of things. And maybe it's good for us to sit down with a neutral person, (laughs) someone who is not in the middle of things with us. And that could be a trusted friend. It could be a counselor or a, a pastor or someone that you trust to be honest with you and to be forthright in your situation. And that can look at things alongside of you and help you have an open perspective of your life. Everything's not bad. Everything's not good. <laughs> yeah. So you have to have a balance there somehow. I don't know about balance so much. It's just acknowledging these things. This pile of rocks here means this. This pile of rocks means that. Well, a reality check, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And we might call it a spiritual or personal inventory. Mm, that's a good word. What's in our story? 
storehouses, are the things that are left in the storehouse of our heart, things that are heavy or weighty and negative, or are they weighty with glory? Maybe some of both. We don't know yet until we really sit down and say, God, we need to know. And really know because we want to know what to do next, not just to fix a problem, but to inhabit this time, to be alive, to be with you in these things and to know that we're not at odds with you, God. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the inventory at the end of a year can be like. Yeah. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help to continue doing just that. The first goal is to grow our vision team by another 200 people. You'd think it wouldn't be hard to find these folks, but it's also easy to assume someone else will surely take up the challenge. Well, frankly, I can't count on someone else. I need to count on you. Would you take a moment today to seriously consider joining our vision team? Whether you're on a fixed income or running a growing business, your giving matters to the Lord and His kingdom servants around the world. Secondly, we've got a specific year-end budget challenge of $200,000 that we must raise in order to fully fund the project that we've been contributing to for years. Things like providing Bibles to new believers in China, Burma, India, and Iran. I'm confident in you and the Lord's provision through you to make all these things possible. And much more. Thank you, friends. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at one 800 868 2478. And you can send your gift by mail to P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Now, we call this program the Mizpah and all things Zion. So we're contrasting these two notions. The romantic notion, again, is let's just look back with nostalgia to the things that the glories of days gone by, that what it was like to be young in a world that was you know, free and full of opportunity and didn't harm us. And all the anxiety seems to be hearkening back to that. And yet there's an undertone in the poetry that we really don't talk about, which is these two guys are meeting in a bar and they're putting on a good face. There's a reason, probably, why they haven't seen each other for a very long time. And yet... We're back to where we started, in this pub where we dreamed big dreams, where we ran through the hills and explored and all these things in our youth. And in the middle of this poem, he says, you'll be your pint stoop and I'll be mine. It's a strange little phrase. What it basically means is, we'll drink to this, we'll drink to that, but you pay your tab, I'll pay mine. (laughs) So there may be some resentments from years past of being taken advantage of one for another, that they're kind of glossing over, but they're being kind to each other in the way they phrase it. This song or this poem seems to coincide very well with the verses in Genesis because they don't trust it. They're kind of looking at things, okay, for old time's sake, when we were friendly with each other, let's drink a cup to this. But if these old acquaintances are never brought to mind again, I'm okay with that, basically, is what they're saying, too. Let's have a a mutually agreed detente. You know, let's just agree to not go back to this place. I'll drink to that, but let's not talk about this. One of the articles that you sent me had a title on one of the paragraphs that said, Mutually Assured Mm Well-Being. I think that's a perfect way to look at it, because we can look at our own lives just personally, not even relationally situations, our own circumstances that we maybe have created and say, you know, 
I'm not going to revisit that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let myself get stuck in the mire of what I did there or what happened there. Or how we got or there. Or how I got there. I'm going to agree that it was an ugly time and I'm going to move ahead and I can mutually agree within myself for future well-being. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what's happening in these verses. That's also kind of what's happening in the poem, Auld Lang Syne. He's saying, for old time's sake, let's look at that and say there was some good, there was some bad. Let's move on. And I do think that's an important part of healing in our lives. We have to have boundaries. We have to set up places of demarcation. I'm not going to go to that place again. I'm not going to revisit that moment because it's too painful. It's it's too hurtful. Either I caused hurt or someone hurt me. And if we do have to revisit it somehow, or or we should later, we have a place to go back to that marks that change. And we know that this property is ours and that property is no longer ours. Yeah. Well, and some of us have been through familial situations that cause us deep pain and have had to make decisions about who we can and cannot visit in our lives. Yeah. And those are good things for us. Good right there seems to have an emotional weight to it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know that we ever really feel good about doing right, the right, right thing at difficult mm-hmm. times. But it is a positive step when it contributes to our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Correct. Not in a selfish way. And sometimes I think, unfortunately, we are taught that it's unforgiveness. Mm. If we don't reconcile or make things right. Or feel better about that person now. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think, is unfortunate because many of us cannot walk back into unhealthy situations or abusive situations. Or should we? No, we should not. It's important to make that distinction in your mind and in your heart through prayer and through wise counsel, searching scripture, through listening to the Holy Spirit. What would God have me do in this situation? How would God move me toward healing? Mm Mm-hmm. The word has deep connotations in the original languages, which we really miss in modern English. We think about forgiveness being something that's about us and our feelings. Mm. Forgiveness, as described in the Word of God, that Jesus reinterprets radically, had nothing to do with feelings. It had everything to do with covenant, with promises made that can be kept because someone makes it possible to move on appropriately. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus says, you know, forgive 70 times 7, he's not talking about reset your emotional clock and just cope with it. He's saying, bring it to me. You go to the higher authority, the one who holds the covenant, say, sort it out. It keeps happening. I can't deal with this. You must. And you go to that authority and lay it in their lap and say, you deal with it. There's a lot of relationships and things that happen in life to us that we don't have much other choice, really, than to go to God and say, I don't know what to do with this. I've done everything I know to do. I've given it up to you. And now it looks like it keeps coming back to hound me. So, Lord, I come back to you again. Take it again. Deal with it again. I cannot, and I cannot go into that resentment because you don't want me to go there either. Help me be free of this burden. So we literally unburden ourselves to the guarantor of that covenant. And I think that Laban and Jacob probably had to go through a number of phases of that in their future relationship. But it was transformative because we don't hear that Leah and Rachel were disenfranchised from their family with Laban, that Laban loved them and wanted to have a relationship with them, but didn't know if they'd be safe under Jacob's roof. Mm -hmm. We don't hear that Laban had no relationship with his daughters or with his grandchildren or the future generations. Maybe they very well did. Maybe they didn't. 
But the point is that what was possible in their lives became possible because they were willing to submit to a higher authority. Mm-hmm. And I think we have that call in our lives this year too. What is that we really do need to bring to Jesus and say, look, I can't cope with this anymore. This is a brokenness I can't fix. Mm-hmm. This is a problem I can't resolve. And yet I want to live. I don't want to bear ill will against people in my life. What can we do about this? Mm-hmm. And you lay it before God. I think that is a great way to start if we're starting from a point of pain in any situation. And if New Year is bringing up all the things that last year left on your plate that you want to resolve, then maybe that's the prayer we need to start with. Mm. God, what do we do about this? Yeah. What do we need to revisit or look at to bring peacefulness to our lives? And you asked two questions that I thought were very interesting. And one of them was, what or with whom do I need to reconnect or establish or reestablish connection with, whether I feel like it or not? And the other question was, what or with whom should I not reconnect with or reestablish something or establish something new with? What things do I need to go back to? What things do I need to leave behind? And I think that calls for huge amounts of discernment. It's difficult because in the church, sometimes We want to force people to reconcile and to forgive. You've got to forgive. And yes, those things are true and and good when they can be done well and in safety. But only we can know in our own lives what is healthy for us. With good counsel. With good counsel, yeah. Looking forward to that in what do I need to remember? What do I need to forget? Mm -hmm. What boundaries do I need to set up? Can I look for you, not just for the other? Yes. Yeah. Well, and can I look back at this year and see where I've been and where circumstances have taken me and where I've taken myself that need to be forgotten, that need to yeah. be cut off? And how is that going to propel me forward into a new way of yeah. seeing things? If we can set these Mizpah statues, these cairns that are places of remembrance. Mm-hmm. Where can I set those up physically or mentally, emotionally in my life to know that that's a demarcation point? Or a guide point, too. Yeah. The cairns are often set up along trails to help mm-hmm. you know the way you're going. You use stones that are already around you, mm-hmm. and you mark that spot to follow. You know you're going the right path mm-hmm. because other people have gone long before you and have set those up. Maybe some of those mizpahs that we set up in our life are meant to be signposts for those behind us mm-hmm. to know this is how you deal with things like this appropriately. You know, I think about how we lean on this, don't let the sun go down in your anger verse. We use that almost like a weapon against our own children at times to force them to get over whatever they were fighting about because it's so uncomfortable for us. And we think that Jesus wants us to never be angry. That's not true. The verse itself really means if you fall into rage, don't let the sun go down before you get help. That's Mm -hmm. what it really means. Mm -hmm. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath not your anger or your feelings, but inappropriate behavior that is directed at harming others. Mm -hmm. In other words, hold the reins tight and ask for help if you can't control this horse. Or even harming yourself. Yeah, that too. Call out for help for people who are trustworthy to help you when you really need it. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to deal with our rage, our wrath appropriately, it means that it has to be addressed quickly and astutely with people who know how to help. It's not about us just feeling our way towards niceness. Mm -hmm. We can't let our kids think that nice covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't. Love does. And love requires us to do the things that are appropriate. 
in the situation. Some of that often is about getting away from the triggers. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what you all are going through, friends, about facing a new year with what happened this past year. But we do know that the opportunities ahead are right there in front of us to let God be directly and intimately and centrally involved with how we experience and how we navigate the waters ahead. Mm -hmm. We want mizpahs in our life that are appropriate and that are big enough and noticeable enough and heavy enough that we're not gonna mess with them and that the guarantor of that covenant is ever present. And we remember that, that if God promised, I'll watch over this thing, I'll take care of the problems over here, you deal with yours, I'll make sure with my omnipresence, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And then we treat it like it's true. We act like we really believe God will do these things. Mm. And no matter how distrustful Laban and Jacob were with each other, each of them seemed to have a fundamental respect for the power of God to actually honor his promises. Mm -hmm. So that was able, I think, to overcome the distrust and able to overcome the unwillingness to act appropriately in the future. Maybe we need to have those moments of mispah meetings with mm. people in our lives. There are resources out there and people that can help with navigating tougher resolutions of problems. We're not gonna dig in heavily into the mechanics of how to reset a life, but right now we're appealing to you as friends, at least in this moment, consider how God can and desires to help you hit the reset button for things that can be done because God can. Mm. And if you're looking for help with resolving difficult situations in your life, we'll have resources available for you with just a click of a link. Check out CompassionRadio.com's podcast page for today's program, and you'll find those there. And that's about as far as we can take it for this New Year's celebration, the Mizpah and all Lang Syne. How do we start over? How do we remember appropriately? How do we make a fresh start when necessary? We are praying and believe that God will bring his very best to you this year. Thanks for supporting us with your prayers and the way you communicate with us day to day. We love you all, friends. Have a great 2024. Happy New Year. Toll free number is 1 800 868 2478. That's 1 800 868 2478. You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California 92877. And we're online 24 7 at CompassionRadio.com. Don't wait, friends. Join us online to find out how you can be involved with this unique and timely ministry. I'm Bram Floria. We wish you God's very best.